Welcome to the Bentonville Beacon, where we bring you success stories from business leaders and owners about their triumphs and growth in the Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas community. You'll hear about how Bentonville has been the backdrop for incredible growth, not only for businesses and their employees, but in their personal lives as well. Tune in, subscribe, and enjoy hearing about Bentonville, where you get more of what you want and less of what you don't. Welcome back to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast, where we're sharing stories and advice from the leaders sparking the rise of Bentonville, one of the fastest growing and most dynamic cities in the United States, nestled in the Ozark Mountains of Northwest Arkansas in the heartland of America. I'm James Bell, and I'm your host, and I am thrilled to share the studio today with Sterling Smith. Sterling is a tech entrepreneur turned early stage venture capitalist who recently relocated to Bentonville from Austin, Texas. And he did that to represent Atento Capital. In addition to Atento, Sterling is founder and head of product at Sandbox Commerce, co-founder of Black Freelancer, and an angel investor with one of his most recent investments in Quirk Chart. So, or Quirk Chat. So we'll talk about that. Sterling, welcome to the show. Welcome. Th- thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I'll just clear- clarify that... Uh... I'm no longer involved in day-to-day at Sandbox, but Black Freelancer is my baby. I really enjoy that project. Excellent. All right. So let's set the stage with an introduction to you. Uh, Sterling, will you share your story? Just talk about your journey. Yeah. So starting back from the beginning, I'm one of seven. I've got five sisters and a brother from Northeast Texas, Tyler. Not sure if anyone is aware of Tyler, Texas, but you know, Patrick Mahomes Jr. is from Tyler. Matt Flynn, another quarterback from Tyler. Uh, Brandon Allen, Brandon Allen from Tyler. Tyler. Yeah, so we got some, <laughs> we got some, some slingers. I mean, yeah. uh, we do have some other VCs. Uh, my buddy LJ Irwin and uh, a few other folks that that have come out and joined the tech scene and have left Tyler, but are representing Tyler well all over the country. I just, I'm, I'm humbled to be among the few folks that are in my network that are doing awesome things. But again, I said I'm one of seven. My parents were both educators in Tyler. My mother was a private school teacher. My father was a political, is a political science professor. And, you know, what comes with that is uh, a spirit of excellence as it relates to the work that we do and, and a, a keen understanding that education, however it comes, is critical to our success long term. So I majored in computer science at UT Tyler and out of school was recruited by Walmart to join mm-hmm. uh, ISD as a computer programmer analyst. After spending a, about a year and a half here in 2007, ended up going to work at, at Lockheed Martin in Doha, Qatar. So imagine coming from East Texas to Northwest Arkansas to Qatar. It was literally like landing on Mars, but it was the best experience that I had made at that point in my life because it showed me, it opened up my, my, my worldview, my perspective be more of a worldview as opposed to kind of the, the narrow perspective uh, and not necessarily a bad narrow perspective, but like kind of like a yeah. very limited perspective that I had living in central America and the center part of America. So software engineer for Lockheed Martin, and then spent five and a half years working for Booz Allen Hamilton in Washington, DC. I like to credit my experience working at Booz Allen to getting me from just being behind the computer to being a part of the entire software life cycle. And I didn't say mm-hmm. software development life cycle because in addition to writing code, there was selling the software, there was supporting the software, there was winning new business. And 
during my time at Booz Allen, I gained the confidence needed to feel as though I could start my own company and do a better job at it. That's kind of what, how I felt after about two or three years working at Booz Allen. And with that energy, um, convinced Booz Allen to relocate me back to Texas, where I worked on a project in San Antonio. And after I f- fulfilled my year for relocation, I decided to move to Austin to start my first company. Yeah. Um, so that's high level how I got into entrepreneurship. If I can keep going and talk through more, what, what would you yeah. like? Yeah. I, I'd love he- to hear about what's, I mean, I think we've heard some of it, but I'd like to hear more about what sparks your passion for entrepreneurs and for investing in them. Yeah. And, that, and, and it's weird, you know, in life, and I don't know if anyone who's listening or watching this podcast can, can relate, but there are certain points in life where you're like, if you're lucky, I think you learn that, hey, this is what I'm meant to do in life. Mm-hmm. And I remember at the age of, uh, it was like 12 or 13, um, I learned not knowing anyone who was a computer programmer that that's what I wanted to do in life. And uh, it wasn't until I fulfilled that dream at a young age when I worked at, when I got my first job at Walmart that I was like, okay, this is it. And there was a long time that I didn't think about anything except for programming. And I was obsessed, obsessed with it. And then there was another point where I was like, okay, after working at Booz Allen, I was like, there's, there's, there's gotta be more than just coding. What's the next thing? And I meditated on that. And that's when becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own companies was the next thing that was important to me. And so I spent the next better part of five or six years focusing on that through building my first company, which is a software development agency. My second company, which is Sandbox Commerce, which you mentioned, which is a no-code app builder for retailers, all the way to till the beginning of this year when I started Black Freelancer, which is a Web3 two-sided marketplace helping Fortune 1000 companies hire diverse talent based on life experiences and pain points I received that I realized, hey, I need to start companies. And it wasn't until after I, along that journey, I learned how difficult it was and how frustrating it was to raise capital as a, as a, as a entrepreneur, a diverse entrepreneur being my perspective that I said, Hey, look, we need to have more, you know, diversity in the investment committee room. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's a must. We have to have representation, women, we need to have white men, we need to have Hispanic men and Hispanic women. We need to have a very, the color of the rainbow and a diverse group of people, not only starting companies, but determining who gets funded. Amen. And, and I'm kind of the person that whenever I have a realization like that, it consumes me. And when I was approached by Atento Capital during South by Southwest, Lawrence Watkins, who's one of my best friends who I, I actually met in Columbia, the country, after going um, to Columbia to tour their scene, their uh, nearshore development opportunities that exist for hiring back in the United States six years ago. I met Lawrence and it just so happens that during South by Southwest of this year, I was hosting every morning after, you know, endless days, midnights, where you're networking all, all throughout the day at South by Southwest. Every morning I'd host a coffee um, at my favorite coffee shops in Austin. And I'd say, I'd basically tweet, um, I'd have my team tweet, hey, Sterling, Sandbox and Black Freelancer are going to be representing at Brew and Brew Coffee Shop. If you want to have a cup of coffee on, on Sandbox and Black Freelancer, join Sterling at this coffee shop and people would just show up. And I think the, one of the days we had 35 people that just came to get a cup of coffee and learn, just talk about blockchain, future of work and future of retail. And Lawrence Watkins shows up one morning and he's like, Sterling, I wanted to come and say hello and chat <laughs> with you about all the great things you're doing, but I also want to ask you, might you be open to 
learning more about this unique role that the fund that I'm working with is hiring for. Wow. And then one conversation led to five, a trip out to Northwest Arkansas. And I don't know if you've ever met Michael Bosch, but he's one of the most compelling mm-hmm. um, pitchmen, among other things, you'll ever meet. And after a few conversations and a couple of days in Northwest Arkansas, reconnecting with old friends, it was a no-brainer for me to take this role. Like this was the a role that I wasn't immediately looking for, but I knew that needed to happen. So excited wow. to be here. That's very cool. Long answer, but I wanted to make sure I gave you that context. Well, you covered a number of questions <laughs> I was going to ask, so that that actually works out very well. <laughs> um, let's talk more about uh, Atento then, and I want to come back to some of the things you were talking about. But let's talk about Atento. What is Atento's story, and and you want to differentiate them from other venture capital firms? So Atento Capital is. In my opinion, it's uh, one of a kind. I mean, we are backed by one of the most prolific entrepreneurs himself Mm -hmm. and philanthropist in the country, certainly in my lifetime, but likely in in modern history, George Kaiser and the George Kaiser Family Foundation. He, you know, through his, his network and just perception, decided to give back to the, 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 the heartland, specifically Tulsa. And through that and connections with Michael Bosch and others, decided to start a venture capital arm, I think around four and a half years ago. It just so happens that today, you know, I joined Atento Capital eight months ago. And it just so happens that today, Atento is one of the most diverse venture capital funds in the country. If you go to attentocapital.com, which I, I would recommend that everyone here does, and you just look at the team slide, it is literally the most diverse investment team you'll ever that, that I've seen. And uh, what does that mean? It means that the companies that we invest in, we're, we have a wider aperture just naturally mm-hmm. when looking at deals and looking at companies. And we have advocates in the investment committee room who are of, of a very broad array from a, a thought diversity to a gender diversity, as well as racial and ethnic diversity championing the founders that that we evaluate. And so it's just a very unique team to be a part of. That's cool. I mean, the ability to look at problems from many perspectives and see them differently, right? Certainly. From the, the different perspectives and then see the, even the team members yeah. differently, I think is, is uh, going to pay off quite well for y'all. That really, I was just looking down at my notes, it really, you know, I think it explains my impression I've gotten of Atento Capital. Yeah. So far, you know, over the past year, I've gotten to know uh, Graham Cohenson, yes, Graham's the man. Uh, some other folks on the team, mm-hmm. and more recently, you and the impression I get is that Atento is super founder friendly, that y'all understand founders and sort of their plight and the, the things that they're working on and really care about their success. Yeah, we deeply care about the success of the founders we work with, even those that we can't invest in, understanding that mm-hmm. we're, we're one team of investors across a sea of many, uh, we don't get to invest in most of the companies we like and we evaluate. And the ones that we, and many of them we like, we just don't have the capacity to go through the, our deep diligence process and actually support financially. But we make it a point to invest in those companies through the time that we spend, the critical feedback that we provide, and the connections that we make regardless, in, in most cases. Yeah. And I, I've observed that uh, so far. Um, you know, of course you want to return. Return's yeah. not everything, but we, of yeah. course you want to return. We're certainly you have seeing to have alpha. That. Yeah, certainly. yeah, absolutely. So I would say in the world of smart money and dumb money, that Atento Capital, in my opinion, is super helpful, super intelligent. 
money. That's just the view I have so far. No, and I appreciate that. And I like, uh, you know, I like it when people testify on, on our behalf. I think that's an accurate testimony. And I'm glad to hear that you, you see that the way that I see that. Excellent. So why did Tinto decide they needed to have a presence here in Bentonville, Northwest Arkansas? You know, I don't know if I'm the most qualified to answer that, but I'll give you my impression. Okay. My impression is that the good work that the team at, at Tinto has been doing in, in the heartland in Tulsa mm-hmm. um, is spoken for itself across the state border. Okay. And I think, you know, uh, as it relates to the relocation initiatives for remote workers that we've done in Tulsa uh, that has been uh, replicated in this region. Yep. I think that the work we're doing with sourcing and investing in and providing wraparound services to, you know, world-class founders and deals has also crossed the border as well. And I think that some of the work that we're doing in Tulsa needs to happen here as well. I think that there are so many geographic, physical, physical geographic, as well as with the 412 coming from Tulsa and back and Mm -hmm. forth to, to Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas as well as the type of people and the type of talent that we can attract, it's complementary between yes. Tulsa and Northwest Arkansas. And, you know, it took not, not, none other for me to revisit Bentonville after being gone for so long for me to just touch down and feel the energy that exists here. And living in Austin, being in Austin the last eight years is, when I, is the timeline that I've been in Austin. And I'll tell you, there are so many, so many similarities that one can't actually communicate that you just sense being an entrepreneur. My, my background, when I touched on Austin as a younger entrepreneur, I, I feel the same energy today in Bentville that I felt eight years ago when I first came to Austin, which is a much, a much larger city, but the same fundamentals that existed there are in this region as well. Yeah, and you're right in that it's hard to explain to folks. Just the last few days during the Northwest Arkansas Technology Summit, I had the opportunity to talk with several folks who it was their first trip. Yeah. Some of the folks who stood on stage and pitched to you during the uh, pitch competition, and uh, a couple of them were blown away. Yeah. Like, I had no idea, right? Yes. And described it as uh, they themselves, within, you know, an hour or two of being on the ground, said things like, I don't think you can explain this to people. And one of them oh. was trying to explain it to his wife back, right. or his, his fiance back home. He's like, I, I can't, you can't explain it to people. They have to be here. And, and I told him, I'm like, well, that's, that's what we're trying to do. Get right. them on the ground to see, tell right. everybody. You know, and I think, you know, people ask me, Sterling, friend, my friends in Austin who just don't know, which is, yeah. a, I like, I kind of liked it. It's a World Cup secret to some extent. But some of my friends in Austin ask me, Sterling, how are you going to convince some of the hottest founders, some of the most interesting companies to move to Northwest Arkansas. And a part of the strategy is to have them visit. That's right. And to have them, I'm not going to, I'm going to sound corny if I start talking about the clean air and the warm people. I'm not going to have that conversation right now, but like have them visit because once they visit at the end of a 72 hour period, it's like, they're going to be, they're going to question everything in life because they're going to say, Hey, why don't I, we should really think about this. And so it's only a matter of time. There's a hypothesis that I'm, I'm looking forward to, to prove out over the coming months and years. Good. Well, we should be co-conspirators in, in helping them <laughs> visit. I, I've been trying to think about how I can tie capital to what I'm doing and figure out if together we can bring entrepreneurs that we want here, here for those visits. Yeah. Uh, and even figure out if I can repurpose some of my budget to help. 
do oh, that listen, in some listen. way. So we, it's going to take a the community yeah. to achieve the world. And I think that like part of the, like, it's, it's going to take people like you and I and all the other people that care about solving for That's right. true, a truly diverse economic and entrepreneurial ecosystem here. It's going to take all of us to collaborate. And That's so right. yeah. what you're saying is in line with what I believe as well. And I think the same thing should be the case for everyone else in the community. If we lock arms and we put together a strategy together to attract you know, these companies that are looking to get out of busy cities, mm-hmm. um, in some case, cities that are on the decline, I won't call those cities out, but to really kind of find one of the best places in the country to live and build and grow and have a support system that's centrally located in the United States, I think that I think that this is going to catch on pretty quickly. I think you're right. You mentioned cities on the decline, but I'll, I'll argue even cities on the growth. Curve. Yes, yes. Because, you know, and, yes, and I would too. ask the audience, right, mm. where do you want to be? Do you want to be high on the growth curve or do you want to be where the growth curve is starting? Oh, yes, yes. And I think we're somewhere around there. And everyone that we talk, like I, yeah. I, I make it a point to meet someone new every day. And just have a conversation and figure out how, like, like what the conversation we're having. Yeah. Like, what's your background and how did you find yourself, you know, having this conversation with me? And everyone, I left Chicago. I came here for a visit. It was during the pandemic. And I came back again. And yeah. next thing you know, I signed a lease and here I am. And, like, that's happening. That happened. I hear that, that same conversation all the time. And that's a similar conversation that I heard in Austin toward the beginning of the pandemic. When Austin, I think... Large in part, Austin became what it is today, the tier one mm-hmm. tech, uh, eco, a, a tier one tech ecosystem during the pandemic. I think that we were always like the little brother to uh-huh. the, the, some of the Boston, New York's, Atlanta's, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Atlanta even in, in uh, San Francisco. But now we're, we're, you know, we're, we, we had a, we had a growth spurt over the last two or three years. And I think that we're on the front end of something really special here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a prime example of, I guess I'll, somebody I got to interview on the podcast the other day, we'll drop that episode soon, Phil Libin. Mm. Phil Libin and, and, and yeah. uh, Tammy's son, Phil being the co-creator and past founder of, or sorry, past uh, CEO of Evernote. They had that same experience, right? They came here. I think Phil said something along the lines of, oh, well, you know, we just came here and we were going to check out a few places and we got to Bentonville and went, let's build a house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, know, so and Bentonville needs more people like Phil Libin, by the way. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we, we, we're, I think that this community benefits from people like Phil Libin being a part of yeah. the fabric at this stage. Like that is, that's major. Yep. Um, so yeah, I haven't met with him yet, but I'm excited to connect with him because I know who he is. His reputation precedes him. Yeah, absolutely. And there are others. I mean, there, there are others that were, I've heard of lately, some CTOs of different larger tech firms. Right some in hardware, some in software that have moved here as of late, some that have just, they're retiring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and some that just needed a different, they needed a change of scenery. Well, I'll, um, you know, I guess I'll shameless plug. When you meet those, when you meet more of those that I, I haven't met yet, connect them with me Absolutely. because we're building out one of the most robust angel networks with 412 Angels in this region. And they should be advisors, mentors, and investors uh, alongside us in many deals that are coming out of this region. Absolutely. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question because I'm going to try to get your colleague, Graham Cohen, on the show yes. uh, as well to talk about yes. 412 Angels. But in, in summary, can you tell us what 412 Angels is about? Yeah, so 412 Angels is what it sounds like. It is a uh, an angel network. Mm-hmm. Um, dissimilar to other angel networks is we don't have a fee that needs to be paid annually to be a member. 
Wow. The, the cost of admission is engagement and interest in supporting local startups. Of course, there are other requirements related to um, being an accredited investor that we talk about regularly when mm-hmm. we do monthly angel one-on-one summits. Uh, and so if you're curious about that, please reach out to me at Sterling at, at, at uh, Sterling at Atento Capital. Dot com and I can share more information about how to join uh, 412 Angels. But what it really is, is a, a platform for us to share deals that Atento Capital, in most cases, is has evaluated and is ex- extremely curious and excited about it. But having a candid conversation about the risks that come along with investing mm-hmm. in early stage companies and building a coalition where we can talk about deals, learn about best practices, and then support those that make sense indiv- on an individual capacity through our Angel Syndicate, which is kind of hosted on Angel on AngelList. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we can certainly we can certainly share that more information with you about that. And and if uh, when you speak with Graham, he can go into more detail about that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, well, I've been to a couple of those sessions, and I've been to some sessions from some other Angel Networks. And I got to tell you that the level of due diligence that y'all do, and the information that you provide, and sort of the clarity around you know, where, what's the, what are the challenges and so on is, is better. Yeah. I've I seen mean, in other places, investing in startups is scary on the riskier side <laughs> of, of, you know, asset investing in assets, generally speaking. And I'll say that the approach that we take, we do everything we can to de-risk and provide the angel investors, investors that participate in, in 412 angels with an unfair advantage yeah. when making those decisions in the, in the sense that like, we go through and build up and create if we don't already if we are, don't already have one an investment memo, mm-hmm. and we actually walk our community members through how to review that investment memo yeah. and use the information that's kind of collected in that memo, outlined in that memo, to help them make an informed decision. So that at the end of the day, they're making an informed decision on their own. They're not forced into investing everything that we decide to invest in or invest in. It's not a like people can individually opt in to invest into into these businesses. And then they can get involved at whatever degree they have the capacity and they've, they, they've spoken with the founders. If the founders are looking for mentoring advice, there's an opportunity for them to lean in in some cases. So very exciting. Yeah, I feel like for an angel investor, sometimes de-risking is more than taking the risk out of the company. It's taking the risk out of what you don't know. It's actually being informed and, yes. and you are doing a great job of Thank actually you. informing folks. Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and part of that process is like just choosing great founders at the earliest yeah. stages. <laughs> right. That's kind of what we're evaluating is, is the founding team and those founding teams that lean into giving detailed uh, monthly or quarterly updates mm-hmm. and really embrace that. I think that's a, those are special skills that we look for. I, I wish as a founder that's something I had done a better job yeah, at, but no. that's, you that's a whole other thing. Your next startup, that's you'll, right. you will, you'll take those lessons with you. Well, at 2.7 times to success, that means my next one's the one if I'm, if I'm Let's average. Go. Let's go. <laughs> Come, we, can, we can look at that for putting on the platform. Awesome. Well, of course, you've spent your time here 15 years ago and yeah. came back to Bentonville. Mm-hmm. And so you touched on it earlier, but what has changed? In the last what 15 has years, changed? I'll and say 15 years is a long time. That That's like 50 years here, but what's changed the last 15? I mean, I'll say like noticed? good news is like my friend group, small friend group that was here before they haven't, they're the same, cool. same guys. And I, that's yeah. so refreshing to see the same people that, that you knew then, you know, 15 years later, they're mm-hmm. still, they're still as real as they come. So that's, uh, that's awesome. You know, I'm nervous about the winters. I, I'm not quite sure if the winters have changed, but I remember the winter when I was here 15 years ago being bone chilling. My family's Caribbean. 
So we <laughs> don't love cold weather. So I think that, you know, uh, the next eight to 12 weeks will help me really understand maybe, maybe even three months or four months rather will help me understand what the winter's like. But, um, I think that beyond that, you know, the energy, like I like to think that like, if I were more settled and hadn't, and had, and had been in another place in life to where I was ready to settle down a little more, I would have even stayed then. Sure. I really liked Northwest Arkansas then. But I, I benefited from traveling, getting some more corporate experience, starting companies. Like I'm, I'm a better, stronger, uh, more informed professional from the experiences that I've been through. And so certainly glad to be back with, with a, a few new, new tools in my belt. But what's changed, Crystal Bridges was not there. Yeah. Um, I think that the year that I, like 2007, maybe the 2009, somewhere in there is when they started working on the bike trails. And I heard murmurs about that four or five years later. And it was probably pretty much already solidified, but there, I mean, I've, I've had the chance of waking up at, at 6.30 AM and just jumping out of the back door and going on a bike ride for, you know, an hour and a half and coming back and getting my day started. And it's second that you, that you where else can you experience that yeah, on the can't. most pristine? And, um, we have format festival now. And for people oh like me who love, 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 like I need live music in order to, in order to maintain and, and, and really appreciate and enjoy a community. Um, I think music, especially local music really helps accentuate what's already in a community. And the fact that format festival is here attracts is a very attractive to me, but I know that a lot of my friends who were curious about it that missed out this year. Um, I think Lord willing, we'll have format festival in the coming years. I think that that's only going to go up. And so like, and I think it's also going to be instrumental for attracting more people that like biking, that like live music, that like, you know, four seasons. I think those are the same things are going to attract more people who are forward thinking and, you know, on the bleeding edge of creating interesting things and just like to experience life and, and all that, all that uh, life to the fullest. I'll say it that way. Absolutely. I have a number of friends who after format festival then started seeing folks on social media yeah. and hear me talk about it. And so on. And I get, because I got to tell you that I felt like they undersold format yeah. in terms of when you got there, it was, even it was to our better. Ben- it was to our benefit. Yeah, it was way better than 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 even and and I had, when I saw the first video, I'm like, that looks cool. Yeah. And then we went, and there was a surprise at every turn. Yeah, it was so amazing. See, I'll say this, and this is this might be controversial, not a bad way. It's not. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> no, but but like I went to Format Festival a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh-huh. and then the next weekend went to Austin City Limits. Okay, and I can say with 100 degree certainty that. Format Festival this year was better wow. than Austin City Limits. Now, my favorite band performed at Austin City Limits, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I think that all Format Festival's missing is <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> uh, maybe a few other a few other artists I like as well, but definitely if you have a Format Festival, I think if you're that's listening. What, yeah, if you're if you're listening, bring uh, Anthony Cletus and his crew to Format Festival next year, and trust me, it's going to go crazy. But part of what made it so unique and, and rich for me mm-hmm. was the fact that there were, it wasn't just like elbow to elbow and that's shoulder right. to shoulder. And, and like the bathrooms, that's, oh, a, that's an unsung. That was, hey, look. Listen, that was an, that's an unsung. <laughs> the fact that there were, there were the, the bathrooms were clean every single time you went. Uh-huh. I don't know how they pulled that off. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, I mean, flushable like, porta potties. Come I on. I mean, it was, I, I've never been at festivals like that. And I'll say w- without a doubt, it was better than. 
ACL. Um, <laughs> and I love you, Austin, and C3 and Live Nation. There's some some lessons learned that they can probably take away from Format Festival 2022. But that being said, good times. Excellent. Well, you know, there's some local folks like Ramsey Ball and yeah, uh, awesome. Neil Greenhaw mm-hmm. uh, that that you definitely need to know for the music scene oh, uh, yeah. locally here and what's what's happening there. And check out Fresh Grass next ne- Grass next time around. It's coming soon. Mom and Terry. I don't know. I don't remember exactly. Yeah. It might be. It might be spring. Yeah. Uh, when Fresh Grass comes back. I mean, around, and like generally speaking, like we've seen. I know that back still on music. Um, <laughs> The Black Keys were here. <laughs> yeah. I know that um, Run the Jewels were here. Big Boy was here. Like Rufus no, to Soul. Rufus, like, well, I'm talking about not only format. I'm talking yeah. about oh, yeah. on a random Thursday night. Oh, you're right. You're um, right. The, the, the momentary and I think the amp, which I still haven't been to, they they draw national acts. And show, if you like music, you know, this area is is already pretty much there. It's just a matter of, Figuring out what social media accounts to follow, I still need to figure out the list, the, the starter pack of the best social media. You, maybe you guys can like put together like an Instagram like best music venues and the, the, the schedules because I will be all over that. Yeah, yeah we yeah. need that. I feel like we're we're at this point where now we need somebody to start aggregating. Yes. <laughs> all of this, you know, while we're on this theme, we've bounced back and forth on the Austin thing. One of the things things that I, I hear now on an almost daily basis that are both loving is. Bentonville's the next Austin or name the other city. And, and my thought on it is, look, you know, that's all great and well and flattering, but I, I honestly don't want us to be the next Austin. I want us to be the next best version of Bentonville. Yeah. And if, because if we choose to be the next best pick the city, there's two things that we must do mm. in making that choice. Number one, we must take all their problems. And number two, we must accept that we can only ever be number two. Yeah. So why not be the next best version right. of ourselves uh, every day? And I challenge every city to think that way as, as well. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts there are, you know, I just had deja vu while you were saying that. And okay. the reason why I had deja vu while you were saying that is because for so long in Austin, we were saying that about San Francisco. Oh, wow. Like that same, we don't want to be the next San Francisco. We want to be the next Austin. That was a thing that was, and I, it may huh. even still be said in, in common circles, is that... um we want to be unique. We want to retain the things that make us weird in Austin. Yeah. And um, I think that's the right mind, the, the right way to think about it. It is. Um, so I agree. Excellent. You know, for the founders and their startups, what makes Bittenville and Northwest Arkansas different? Yeah. I mean, I think that there is, and uh, I, I, this is an initial impression, but I know it's true, is there's a, there are, there are, there's a wealth of untapped resources, mm-hmm. not only economically, but from a mentor standpoint, like we partner with Fuel Accelerator, Startup Junkie, Cartwheel Studios. Sure. There are the fa- uh, fundamentals of resources that are needed for you to be successful here. The fact that we're situated in the center of the country was strategic for Austin. I think it's also strategic for Northwest Arkansas. I think there's an opportunity for us to have more direct flights more frequently. Um, I won't harp on that, but I think that's, a, <laughs> I think there's an opportunity there, but I'd say like, you know, the access to the university, I think the university is just getting better. Like that's one of the things I've seen just like improve substantially uh-huh. from when I was here 15 years ago. Like the university of Arkansas is like a, is like a top tier university, especially yeah. many of the programs, their blo- uh, center of, of blockchain um, innovation and entrepreneurship and the people that are are leaning into learning from others with real world and practical experience as, as, as opposed to theoretical knowledge. Like those are desires that I've heard from people 
that work in those establishments that are they're seeking the the most authentic knowledge. And I think that's really, and I think that whole health is is doing similar yeah. work there. And so for people that are want to be around other passionate individuals and passionate organizations about uh, that that are that care about rather you know producing world changing and practical solutions. I think that um, if you are in any of these spaces, B two B SaaS, direct to consumer, CPG, like logistics, like this is a place not only because of the big three, but also because of the other auxiliary support systems with Startup Junkie and and Fuel Accelerator and others. I think this, this is a great place to be for that. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I'll I'll add to it as sort of the rising uh, areas is anything a mobility as well as I'll call it wellness and healthcare, oh, certainly. because that's the proper direction and where right. we're leaning in uh, yes. here. I wrote down a couple of notes. Good news, there's more direct flights coming. Let's go. Um, we just added, XNA just added Phoenix, Charleston, and I forget what the other one was today alone. Oh, well, today. Yeah. I love it. Uh, I hear we keep hearing that San Francisco's coming back, but you know, we already have flights to yeah. LA and New York and Atlanta and yeah. a, a lot of major cities in Minneapolis, which is one of the heavier travel flight flights I noticed. And really? then I realized <laughs> there's Walmart and then there's a, another company up in Minneapolis. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of vendors traveling yeah. back and forth. Also wrote down when you said top tier university and you're right, the opportunity is here. People do lean into real world practical solutions. Yep. And the university is giving lots of opportunities to students. I mean, if you just take the venture intern program, for example, that supports uh, startups and organizations supporting them, I think they went from 20 to 40 to 80. And uh, I I can't wait to see what their next expansion is going at that rate. But the one I wanted to hit on that I've highlighted here is top tier university. So the University of Arkansas, I don't think a lot of people outside here realize is by research dollars, it's a top 3% university. Wow. But if you go to niche.com and you look, I believe it's niche or maybe it's best places, and you look up rankings of programs, what I've found in just digging is a lot of like one after another digging through programs is programs at the University of Arkansas consistently rank in at least the top 25%, but often the top 10% of universities. And I think that's totally messed. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. I'll get off that and uh, we'll switch to, I want to talk more about you. Okay. So- one of the aspects I love about your background is that as a VC, that you have operational experience. Certainly. And, uh, you know, in my limited experience, that's actually quite uncommon. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, it, and maybe I'm wrong. It's just my experience. But I have thoughts then about the uh, what having operational experience means and how it makes a real difference in the way that, that you interact, that, that VCs interact with entrepreneurs and even treat them. And so I'll hold those beliefs close to me for, for now. I want to hear your thoughts. How does having operational experience shape the way that you help founders and interact and support them? Yeah. And then I'll, 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 I'll just uh, shout out to my team at the team at Attento. Mm-hmm. Several of the people on our investment team have operational experience. And yeah. so it's a really unique skill set. But yes, you're right. I think in most funds, it's, it's, um, there, there, there's, I think it, it's necessary to have people with finance backgrounds mm-hmm. and operations as background, diverse folks on the team. And so all these things make a richer gumbo for that's right. um, building a, a fund that seeks alpha and is successful there with me specifically. Yes. Like I believe that my superpower as an investor is the fact that I'm a product focused operator. So my superpower as a founder was that I could build. 
I could build the solution whether or not I received the funding or not. It would just take me longer to run tests on my hypotheses. And that, that's, a, that's a superpower. And in some ways, there's some, some uh, there's a, there are downsides to that as well because you kind of wait longer in some cases than you, than you otherwise would to raise yeah. funding. But with, when it comes to wearing my VC hat, my experience as an operator and a technical founder and co-founder, I'd say that my superpower today is like my founder empathy. I really deeply understand the challenging road that these founders that we speak with have on a daily basis. So uh, I de- like whenever I meet a founder, especially one that's literally, you know, bootstrapped their way to revenue and, mm-hmm. or are, are, are working through that process. In many cases in, in the center part of the United States, unlike the coast, you don't just get a, uh, you don't have an idea on the back end of, of a napkin and receive a million dollar investment from a VC fund. You kind of have to get to a point where you're at revenue and and some people are able to do that uh, through angel rounds or friends and family rounds before that. Other people don't have access to friends and family rounds right. and have to go out and raise some angel capital or not before that we speak with them. And so I deeply empathize with the various roads that folks are taking before they come to me and how vulnerable, you know, the process of fundraising and sharing this thing that you've held. So, cause many people are starting companies that they've, ex- they've, they've experienced pain points or opportunities in their existence and are like several of the people that we, we, we saw yesterday at the yeah. pitch event, they were, they're the customer. And so sharing their vulnerabilities is, is, is deeply meaningful to them. And so my, my experience as a technical founder who doesn't start a company until, unless I feel like the, it's a problem, I don't like to create solutions in, in search of a problem. You know, I think that my, my empathy there is the superpower. Excellent. I love it. And you talked a little bit about it. Maybe I'll have you talk a little bit more. What were your strengths and weaknesses as a founder? Yeah. I mean, my strengths and weaknesses as a founder kind of correlate with my strengths and weaknesses as a person, as a human. It took me a while to really empathize with people that didn't mind working 24 hours a day. Mm. Um, I, and I still, and I still struggle with that to some extent. Like I don't mind working, especially if it's something that, that I feel like must exist. Yes. I'm like, well, what are y'all doing? Like, what are we doing here? Like, we should all be doing this. And that's not good. That's unhealthy. And I think to that point, founder health and mental health for founders is, was understated toward the beginning part of my journey as a founder. But fortunately is becoming to be, is, is, is being discussed more. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'd say that was a, that was an opportunity for me to learn and grow and being less reactive and more thoughtful is another strength of mind that, that uh, took a while for me to develop um, over time. And I feel like today people think that I'm like Zen. People think that I'm like Phil Jackson or something. Like I, like when I, when I, I, when I see a problem, I don't necessarily immediately respond to it when everything, sometimes everything within me is like immediately respond, immediately respond. Why aren't you responding? And I'm like, no, like that's not the way to do it. You got to really take some time to think about, you know, the cost benefit analysis and, like once you release certain things, you, it's hard to get them, bring them back. And so I like to really kind of think about things, take, take the time to think about things. Whereas to war in my younger years, it wasn't something that I did as much, but, uh, and there were benefits for being very charismatic and just being very and exuberant. Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? I would, I would often see a problem and go off, go after a solution right away. Yeah. Now I take the time to circle the wagon. 
And I think they're, that, uh, I'm, I've benefited from taking that more pragmatic approach. Awesome. Some of these sound familiar. And you know, I've got a story on the, not with me necessarily, but a story on the, the founder mental health issue that mm. we can talk about sometime. We're definitely not going to talk about here, but, but yeah, that, that's an area where I believe that startup founders are seriously underserved mm-hmm. and that there ought to be something done about it. So how does this shape the way, and I guess you talked about it a bit. It's, you can tell me if you want to talk about it more, but how does it shape the way that you invest? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think investment, as you know, like, I've, oh, I don't know. If, yeah, I guess, you know, with Quirk Chat and others, mm-hmm. I've invested, I've done quite a bit of angel investing. And one of the things that had I, if I could go back now mm-hmm. and as I think about being more pragmatic and go through every angel deal, like I won't ever individually invest in an angel deal that I don't write a memo on. Because I think it's important for posterity, for future Sterling, to be able to look back and always know why I decided to make an investment in a specific business, whether that's through the fund or whether that's through my own funds. And that's something that I look forward to practicing indefinitely as I make hopefully dozens more investments over the years. And so I'll say that as I think about investing, I think it's just important to be pragmatic. I love Atento's process. We don't just jump into investments. We really take the time to deeply understand the founders, the founding team, the market, and the, the reason why. Like we, leadership all, always talks about like, let's understand why. We can't ask why enough. Let's understand why. And so that's something that I, I think that I'll take and I, I've taken so far and I'll continue to take into, my, into the investments that we make here in Northwest Arkansas and beyond. Perfect. One question before we get to the final question. Mm-hmm. Favorite restaurant in Bentonville? Oh man, that's a snap one. You know, I've been blessed enough to to try conifer. And, oh, I haven't done that yet. Oh my gosh, conifer is so good. I'd, all, I'd also like to add yayos. Oh my god, to yes. that list. So very, very delicious food there too. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Now I've got to check conifers because conifer. Yeah. Several people have uh, yes. keep telling me you haven't been there yet. Let me know. I, mean, I, I haven't. I can, let's go. Me. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Last question. What did I not ask you that I should have? About those Cowboys. Yeah, tell me about America's it. team. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What about the Cowboys? Nina, I'm a different Broncos fan. <laughs> you're wearing Cowboys blue. Like, uh, we could, like, I, we I should am, be. I am. I am. You should be, a, you you're, know, you're an honorary co- Cowboy. Jerry, Jerry Jones is a, you know, a, um, a, a Razorback great. Uh, so, yeah. you you got to like the Cowboys if you're up here just from that Let's standpoint. go. So, we're yeah. all Cowboys. Yeah, we're all Cowboys, okay. I guess. <laughs> I'm go. a Broncos fan. Yeah, <laughs> Sterling, hey, thank you so much for spending time with me today and with our audience. You know, I think, I feel like Northwest Arkansas and Bentonville has gained a family member just in Atento and 412 Angels alone, but I feel like we've hit the lottery with you. Oh, come on, <laughs> James. We have, though. I mean, because it's, it's, it's wonderful to have a VC come into the ecosystem. We have great ones in it. Yes. Just to be clear. Oh, yes. Uh, wonderful to have yet another one come into the ecosystem that really deeply cares about founders mm. and understands them. And, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how, you know, this relationship for the whole ecosystem. Certainly. I feel blessed. Goes. And more importantly, I'm incredibly excited about the potential. So I look forward to going along this journey with you and, and everyone else that cares about growing and developing this ecosystem of the, of the, in the coming years. Awesome. Yes. Well, hey, thank you to our Bentonville Beacon audience. If you like what you heard today, as always, come back, check out more. Take a moment to share the story, uh, to share the show with friends and colleagues in email, text, social media, whatever you do. And 
Come back to hear more about Bentonville and its leaders and Northwest Arkansas, this place where you get more of what you want, less of what you don't. And as always, visit BentonvilleEconomicDevelopment.com to see all the episodes and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Thanks. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Bentonville Beacon Podcast. We hope to see you next week.